Greetings, friends around the world. This is Dr. Bob Teal for the Bible News Prophecy Channel. Today I'd like to talk about 10 Protestant prophetic errors. Now, first of all, I need to comment. It's difficult to define what Protestants believe about end-time prophecy because there are a whole bunch of different views, as well as definitions of whatever is or is not a Protestant. For the purpose of this video, Protestant is one who is not part of the Church of God, not part of the Eastern Orthodox Church, not a part of the Jehovah's Witness Church, not a, uh, not a Mormon, and not associated with the Roman Catholic Church, but professes Christianity. Well, a lot of these prophetic errors are misleading people and will mislead more in the future. So I've got 10 I'm going to go through. And for details, you'll also see a link at the particular website you've got this particular video that has this in writing if you want uh, more scriptures and that type of thing. Well, one that's been pretty prevalent in the last uh, couple of years has to do with blood moons. Ignoring what Jesus taught, certain Protestants have claimed that blood moons in 2014 or 2015 might start the mark of the Great Tribulation. They say this because these blood moons occur around the time of the biblical holy days, and therefore this is significant. I've looked at the so-called proof. I don't agree that the proof proves this. Now, there is a chance that it could be in 2015 a, a peace deal could happen around the time of blood moon, and suppose that might have some ramifications. But the scriptures that they point to, specifically in uh, Matthew uh, 24, 29, uh, Mark 13, 24, uh, Luke 21, 25, those are referring to signs in the heavens that occur after the tribulation and immediately before Jesus, just before Jesus returns. And since the Great Tribulation hasn't began, uh, there's no way that the blood moons of 2014 or 2015 could possibly uh, signify that. You say, well, so what? When they don't happen, nobody will care. Well, what will happen is some people will say, look, I thought the blood moons, I saw them, they're dramatic signs in the sky. Obviously, if they didn't mean something, I can't believe anything else. So I believe this will get people to scoff and not believe the Bible. And that was warned about in Second uh, Peter, that people would scoff at the end times, say, oh, everything is always the same. So I think that's one of the problems with this whole blood moon belief. Number two, there's a belief that there's supposed to be something called a pre-tribulation rapture. Millions have been taught that Jesus is going to return prior to the start of the Great Tribulation. But this rapture belief is contrary to what Jesus taught in Matthew 24, verses 29-31, which said that he was going to come after the Tribulation, as well as 1 Corinthians 15, 50-52, which the Apostle Paul wrote, which said Jesus comes at the last trumpet. Now, I saw a promoter of this several years ago say, the next sign, prophetic sign to look for is the rapture. There's nothing else to look for. Well, Jesus gave a whole list of signs in Mark 13, Luke 21, and Matthew 24, and none of them said, first time I'm going to come, so there's nothing to look at. It was not anything like that, but they misunderstand that. Now, as a subset of this, the people who believe in a pre-tribulation rapture also have falsely claimed that the book of Revelation, chapters 14 through 18, do not mention the church or the saints, therefore... This is because the church had been raptured prior to the start of the tribulation. That is faulty. I won't turn to all the scriptures, but for example, you can read in Revelation 12:17 that part of the church does not get protected. You can read about the church getting persecuted in Revelation 13:7 uh, through 10, 
and that the patience of the saints who are going through this, Revelation 14, 12, is going on. So yes, the saints, the church, is mentioned throughout those passages in the book of Revelation, so that is absolutely not proof that they've all been raptured away. Now, yes, I know there's other scriptures that the rapturists refer to. We have a detailed article about that. We go through the scriptures that people such as Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins say supposedly proves their belief. But actually, it's contrary to the Bible. And those who believe they're just going to be mystically raptured away before anything occurs are sadly misled. And they will not know what's going to happen. Now, another view that some Protestants hold is that Mystery Babylon of Revelation chapter uh, uh, 17 and 18 actually is the ancient city of Babylon which is located within the territory region of Iraq. I'm calling it the territory region of Iraq because of the wars and fightings over there. If they may break things up into multiple pieces and we'll see what it's called if they rename it. But the problem is that, remember the Bible calls it Mystery Babylon, so it's a mystery, so it's not the actual Babylon. Now the ancient city of Babylon is on a plain, a flat area. It has not had any re religious significance for a millennium. Geography eliminates it from being that one. Why? Because the Babylon the Great in Revelation, in Revelation 17.9, it says it's got to do with a city that sits on seven hills or seven mountains. And that flat out eliminates ancient Babylon. You say, but it still uses the word Babylon. That's true. But the Bible sometimes uses different terms. And again, it uses the term daughter of Babylon for what's going to happen at the end times. It doesn't call it uh, Babylon itself. Another thing that people are confused about in the Protestant world is the identity of the king of the north. In Daniel chapter 11, there's a discussion about leaders called the king of the north and the king of the south and various events that they're going to do. And the king of the north will begin the great tribulation with revel in verse 39 of Daniel chapter 11, then go against the king of the south in verse 40. Yet, this particular leader, according to Daniel 11:31 and Daniel 9, 26 and 27, is a European leader. That's the only explanation that makes biblical sense. However, certain Protestants claim that this leader is actually Russia, and Russia is the king of the north. Now, some Protestants who believe that still believe that the beast power of Revelation 13 is European, but they get this totally messed up. It's so messed up, they got an email from some Protestant who's promoting some idea that there was some deal between the United States and uh, Russia uh, years ago, and when that deal, two and a half, three and a half years after that deal occurs, uh, Jesus is going to return and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's not the case. Russia is not the biblical king of the north. Actually, in Daniel chapter 11, verses 44 and 45, the king of the north gets bothered by stuff going on in the north and the east. But what's north and east of Europe? Russia. So that's another proof that Russia is not the king of the north. And anybody who relies on that is making a mistake. A fairly common error, this is number five, in the Protestant world, is the understanding that the, the king of the north the ten-horned beast, is the final antichrist. While that leader is opposed to Christ, he is, according to Revelation 13, 1-10, and Daniel 11, predominantly a political military leader. He's not predominantly 
the religious leader. He is Antichrist, but he is not the Antichrist. Now, the two-horned beast in Revelation 13, verses 11 through 16, is primarily a religious leader. He gets people to worship this other one. And he's called or described as a false prophet in Revelation 16, 13, 19, 20, and 20, verse 10. All the verses in the Bible that use the term Antichrist or Antichrists are referring to religious leaders, including false prophets. And you can look those up. It's 1 John uh, 2, 18-22, 1 John 4, 1-3, and 2 John 7. It's the two-horned beast who is the Antichrist. Church history also shows that uh, some uh, who appear to be could have been in the Church of God in the Middle Ages also identified the two-horned beast as the final Antichrist the Bible is talking about. Number six. This is one I saw from a televangelist recently. He claimed that the next prophetic event, the next thing you should be looking for, is for the Euphrates River to dry up. However, that doesn't start until after the Great Tribulation. It's described in Revelation 16.12. So those who think that's the next sign to look for are going to be disappointed because they will not know when the end is going to come because that doesn't happen until after the Great Tribulation has began. Probably one of the more common views also within the Protestant world, for those who believe in prophecy, that is, is that because the Bible talks about animal sacrifices being stopped, they obviously must be started. Okay, that's not a wrong view. That's correct. But people have a tendency to believe this means that a Jewish temple in Jerusalem has to be rebuilt in order for these prophecies to be fulfilled. Now, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul repeatedly tells Christians that they're the temple of God. In 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 16 through 17, 2 Corinthians 6, 6, to name a couple. But many have concluded that the temple of God in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 through 4, has to be a rebuilt Jewish temple. Now, the New Testament is clear that the priesthood was changed uh, through Jesus Christ. And those who insist that the Jewish temple has to be rebuilt in order for sacrifice to occur are in error. Now, let me say this for those who may not be familiar with it. In the book of Ezra, chapter 3, verses 2 through 6, before the foundation of the new temple was built, Jews did animal sacrifices on an altar. They did not have to have a temple. The Temple Institute over in Jerusalem has an altar that they're ready to use any time they're legally allowed to do it. And I spoke with somebody who worked for the Temple Institute when I was in Jerusalem who verified that, yes, they believe they can sacrifice without a new temple. I also wrote the Sanhedrin in Israel years ago, and they wrote me back and said the same thing. They do not need a altar. Excuse me, they do need an altar, but they do not need a rebuilt Jewish temple in order to sacrifice. Those who think that a Jewish temple is required before the Great Tribulation can begin are in error. And those who want information on 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 and 4, we have an article about that you can read about as well. And I'll try to put some additional links where you got this video from. One thing many do not realize is that Matthew 24, 14, this is number 8, has to be fulfilled. Now some Protestants do believe this. Some believe that once the Gospels have been translated into all languages, this means that the end can come. A lot of Protestants believe that Matthew 24, 14 has already been fulfilled, but it has not yet. Let's read Matthew 24, verse 14. 
and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Catholics believe this has been fulfilled. A lot of Protestants believe this has been fulfilled. But notice, once this gospel of the kingdom has been preached to the world as a witness, then the end is going to come. Because people believe that the gospel has been preached. People do not understand what the gospel of the kingdom is, especially amongst Protestants and uh, Catholics for that matter. When this is happening, they will not understand that the end is getting close. Now there's another major group within Protestantism and then with the, within Roman Catholicism as well. And these people are called preterists. What's a preterist? A preterist comes from the Latin word uh, praetor or praetor, praetor, which means that something is past or beyond. A preterist thinks that the Great Tribulation already happened. I have a book that this quotes from a variety of well-known Protestant scholars. And I'm not going to read all of them, but I would like to read one. This is from a Protestant scholar by the name of Alfred Edersheim concerning what he felt happened in 70 AD. The tribulation to Israel was unparalleled in the terrible past of its history and unequaled even in its bloody future. Nay, so dreadful would be the persecution that if divine mercy had not been interposed for the sake of the followers of Christ, the whole Jewish race that inhabited that land would be swept away. He's using terms that are used by Jesus in Matthew 24. So he's trying to say that many things that Jesus prophesied have already happened. They happened back in 70 AD. The problem is, in Matthew 29, excuse me, Matthew 24, verses 20, 29 to 31, which I'll probably read in a little bit, it says, immediately after the tribulation, there are certain signs in the heavens, and then Jesus returns. Jesus did not return in 70 AD. The preterists are in error. I'll read something from a Catholic priest by the name of H.B.L. Uh, uh, Kramer, who also holds that belief. It says, The Great Tribulation. It's a bloody persecution. The scene is then the 4th century when the Roman persecutions had been abolished. The Great Tribulation had passed away to return no more, and since the church has grown to grand proportions. Now this is from a book with an imprimatur from a Catholic bishop. You say, okay, well this must always been the Catholic position. Oh no. People such as the uh, Catholic saint and doctor of the church, Jerome, believed that the king of the north was going to be a European and he was going to be involved in the Great Tribulation. It was still future. And Jerome wrote after uh, the early 4th century that this is referring to. What about... Martin Luther, head of Protestants in a sense. Well, he was a preterist as well. Let me read something that he wrote in 1522 to his preface to the book of Revelation. He said, About this book of Revel the Revelation, I miss more than one thing in this book, and it makes me consider it to neither be apostolic nor prophetic. I can in no way detect the Holy Spirit produced it. So he said, you don't even rely on what this book says. It says it's not biblical, it's not true, it's not from the Holy Spirit, it's not apostolic. That's one of the reasons why the Lutherans are preterists. They don't think things are going to happen. And Jesus repeatedly warned people in uh, Matthew 24, uh, Mark 13, and elsewhere to watch world events. But if you're not watching, you won't pray to be counted worthy to escape all these things and stand before the Son of Man, which is something else Jesus told people to do. And the Lutherans and the preterists are simply not going to do this.
And number 10, most prophecy watchers will not recognize the signs. In 2 Timothy uh, 3, 1 through 5, the Apostle Paul said that in the last days, perilous times are going to come and people would not be paying attention like they should. But Jesus' apostles, or disciples who became apostles, wondered what was going to happen. If you take your Bible and go to Matthew 24, read verse 3. It says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? When will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? So they wanted to know. And Jesus didn't say, You don't have to worry about it. It'll be fulfilled way before I come. He didn't say that. He didn't say, You don't have to worry because I'm going to come and rapture you all before anything happens. didn't say that. He didn't talk to them about uh, blood moons coming before the tribulation. Uh, many other things people have wondered. Verse 4, Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You are of wars and rumors of wars. See, you are not troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. That's what we're seeing now. A lot of people are equating some of the things associated with the beginning of sorrows as a great tribulation. These are like birth pangs. These are like uh, pre-labor pains, the women will, or labor pains, before the baby is going to come. That's what's happened now. The end is not yet. Then a variety of other things Jesus talks about having to do with persecution. Then in verse 15, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in a holy place, let him who reads understand. So, this is an important thing. Jesus says, when you read this, you need to understand. Well, this abomination of desolation that he's talking about, standing in a holy place, has not been fulfilled yet. It doesn't get fulfilled until the sacrifices, around the time the sacrifices are stopped. Sacrifices hasn't, haven't started yet, so they haven't been stopped. And it's supposed to be a holy place. Let him who reads understand. So those who think it has to be a Jewish temple in Jerusalem are likely to be misled because the Bible doesn't say that. Anyway, from verses 16 to 19, he talks about uh, people fleeing. Verse 20, he said, And pray that your flight not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. This comment about the winter or the Sabbath. This is a sign Jesus listed, yet various Protestant commentators say, Oh, this is a message for the Jews. Now, this is a message for true Christians. So at the time of the end, true Christians will be keeping the Sabbath. But a lot of Protestant commentators who do not believe in keeping the Sabbath will just go over this. So that's, got, that's not relevant for one reason or the other. Anyway, notice in verse 21, For then there will be great tribulation, such as been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor shall ever be. Notice the tribulation does not start until verse 21. So people who say it happens before simply do not understand. You know, Jesus referred to Daniel and said that uh, when you see what Daniel said happen, that's when you need to pay attention. Various things are supposed to happen. In Daniel 9, 26 and 27, we hear about a, a European people who's going to confirm a peace deal for approximately, uh, well, it's supposed to be confirmed for seven years, but it'll be broken in the middle of it. And when it's broken, you'll see an end coming to the sacrifices. This is related to the abomination of desolation that Daniel said, because around the, all those things are going to happen about the same time. 
So I've gone through 10 Protestant errors. I'd like to briefly, just very briefly, go through a sequence that you can be watching of what's going to happen. Basic sequences, we're going to see sorrows and troubles continue. And you can read about that in Mark 13, 7 through 8. There's going to be a peace deal confirmed, Daniel 9, 27. A king of the north and a king of the south have to rise up, according to Daniel eleven twenty seven. Animal sacrifices are supposed to begin, and the time of that could be very little bit. The gospel of the kingdoms will be preached to the world as a witness. This could be the short work that the Apostle Paul writes about in Romans 9.28. Jewish sacrifices are going to be stopped, as it says in Daniel 9.27 and 11.31. Abomination desolation is going to be set up, as Jesus warned about in Matthew 24.15 and Mark 13.14, because of actions by the king of the north. The most faithful expect to tell what's happening until they're somewhat stopped. The so-called famine of the word, Amos talks about in Amos uh, 8, 11 through 12. A decree is supposed to be issued according to Zephaniah 2, 1 through 3. And the most faithful Philadelphia Christians are supposed to flee, according to what Jesus said in Matthew, Mark, as well as what you can read about in Revelation 12, 14 through 16. And then bolstered by the Antichrist, the Great Tribulation is going to begin. About a month less than two and a half years later, the sixth seal will be opened. There'll be a blood moon and a darkened sun. 144,000 will be sealed. And shortly thereafter, the seventh seal is going to be opened. The year-long day of the Lord is going to begin with trumpet blasts, plagues, etc. And at the seventh trump, Jesus will return and his kingdom will be established. That's what the Bible teaches. Those are some of the signs you should be watching out for. Do not be deceived by Protestants who have some errors, don't believe the Bible, don't believe in prophecy, or misunderstand what the Bible actually teaches about those events. Believe what Jesus said. Believe your Bibles. This is Dr. Bob Teal for the Bible News Prophecy Channel.